0: How are you? I'm good. Did you enjoy the hold music?
1: It like scared me. I had to pause it. I was not (laughs) expecting it. I was like, oh my God,
0: Destiny's Child.
1: Um, (laughs) And then I had to pause it because I was alarmed. I like had flight or flight mode kick in.
0: Oh, you're on video. God, that means I have to put a shirt on because I'm definitely naked. I'm definitely naked right now.
1: That's so on brand for you. You don't have to put, you don't have to do video <laughs> if you don't want to.
0: Okay. So hi. Okay. Hello, I, hello. I feel so nervous having an actual, hi. you're not just a podcast host. You have two podcasts.
1: Yeah. but what,
0: what are those two podcasts? If anyone wants to find you before we begin?
1: Yeah. So the first one that I started is hashtag Gen Z. That one is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, my website, places wherever you can listen to podcasts really. And and the other one is Give It A Whiff. It's about candles and home scents and essential oils and just like good smelling things. I know it sounds odd, but that is like a foundation of my friendship with my co-host is like I would be texting him from TJ Maxx and be like, "Uh, I found a really good candle. And like this was happening so frequently. We're like, we just need to have a place to talk about it.
0: I love that. No, I really do. I love, and your voice is just so great. I suck at introducing my podcast guests and I haven't introduced you. You know, we're being recorded, right? This whole thing will go on. I'll I'll, I'll cut out. Right as Destiny Child yelled
1: at me, it was like, you're also (laughs) being recorded. I was like, I'm sorry.
0: You were not yelled at. You were blessed. You were blessed and you couldn't handle the blessing. That's probably what dating me is like, you know? I am bootylicious and you're every guy I date. You just can't appreciate it. You get scared. The and one that off.
1: shows up and is like here for it, like they're going to be so here for it. Cause I was the same way. Like I was always like, whoever's ready to jump on this crazy train, bless them, bless them good. But then they're going to stick around. And that's how my boyfriend is. Like, I'm like, oh. Want some more crazy? Would you like another dish? And he's like, sure. Oh. What do you have today? It's out there. It's the that's, special souls. Special so people nice. require special, special souls
0: yeah I, I uh yeah i'm sure i i think I've given up that train that that ship has sailed <laughs> um, no. i okay so let's introduce who are you
1: yeah hi everyone my name's megan grace um I have a funky title in the sense that I do a lot of things primarily I work in higher education i've studied colleges and universities. Oh, God, since I graduated, as an undergraduate, which is where I am at, Ella, wonderful times at Chapman University. Since then, um, I've worked in higher education as an administrator, a researcher, a speaker. Uh, I'm also a podcast host. And where people most know me is I'm a generational researcher, and I primarily focus on Generation Z, which is our post-millennials after 1995 um, and through 2010 at their birth years. So
0: I introduced you inappropriately. Rewind. You are officially Dr. Megan Grace.
1: Yeah. As of last week. Well, yeah. So I graduated last Friday. So it's, it's officially official. And then I graduated on Friday. So that's a new identity that I'm taking on. It's something I've been working on for like three years. And so it's weird to think that. And I always have to like disclaimer people, like my parents put a sign in our front yard that was like, congratulations, Dr. Megan Grace. Like people will honk when I'm out front and I'll be like, I'm not a medical doctor. Like, please do not ask me about your like children and any illnesses you have. Like My climate education problems, yeah, like like chlamydia. I'm like, I have the same amount of access to medical information. It's called WebMD, but don't trust it.
0: So, <laughs> thank you. Okay. It's new. Congratulations! I feel so honored. Not only do you have a podcast that's you have two podcasts, but one that's completely centered around this generation that um, about which I have a lot of curiosity, and I, I kind of wanted to pick your brain, and that's why I, honest to God, Megan, when I was thinking about starting this podcast, okay, rewind. I have seen somewhat your work on the Gen Z, you know, you're working with the Gen Z here and there through Instagram and Facebook. Um, And even before I thought of ever starting a podcast, I thought to myself, if I ever were to do one, I'd want to do one with her. And then the moment (laughs) I started one, which was last week or two weeks ago now, I was like, okay, Megan, I really, really want Megan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so, I'm here and I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm super excited. You are, um, I and I, I really mean that wholeheartedly because I'm just so fascinated to pick your brain for a little bit, not too, too long. Um, So congratulations again on your doctorate. That's amazing. You said that you've been working on it for three years. I'd like to argue that you've been working on it for 25 years. Uh, It's a lot of building blocks to get to that point. Your doctorate program was just the the last of many milestones that you had to pass to get to where you are. So thank you so much for coming on, doctor. Um, Thank you. Okay. I'm trying to think of how to start this. I suck. So, I feel like the more I hear about Gen Z, the more I'm convinced I am the world's oldest Gen Zer.
1: You so- might be. Um so that's interesting and I don't want to get too like nerdy and what research like there's actually generational theory around all of this, but as millennials, um we are really close in age. um, And some of the defining characteristics and context around Gen Z are very similar. We just saw them from a slightly different vantage point, if that makes sense. And so it's, I like to use the delineation of social media because most people are on it. Most people understand it, that we grew up learning social media. Gen Z has only ever known it. The transition from MySpace to Facebook, I was like, I'll never get off MySpace. And i wish I could go back and look at my MySpace, it's probably chaotic, but um, we've learned social media as a way of expression, of connection, of learning. That is ingrained in in Generation Z. It's from the very beginning. And so we have a lot of similarities, but seeing them from slightly different perspectives. So you might have a lot of um, either behavior characteristics are similar or value set characteristics that are similar. And it's, it's mostly because we interact in a lot of similar environments and just purely uh, nature-wise, we connect with one another because we're like, ooh, another young person, we must be able to relate um, and that relatability aspect of it um, and building connection in that regard. So you might be the oldest Gen Z in the world, but by like research standards, you're like definitely a millennial. So sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What a jerk. What a jerk. I really tried to turn the clocks back last year to say that I was born in 1994 um, for the record, but that still wouldn't have made me young enough to be a Gen Z. So I guess I have to accept. Yes, I am a millennial. Also, I don't know if you know this, but MySpace deleted all the MySpace pages that started before 2016. So if well, you have not a blessing, you think so? I was so devastated when I heard this news. I just heard it last week. I didn't believe it. Then I go to look at my MySpace and it's gone. I mean, it doesn't exist anymore.
1: It's like real cringy. What like probably was on there. Like that was the peak of my teenage angst. And so it was like a ongoing open journal, like yeah, and go a diary journal. for me. Also, MySpace taught me how to like code at a young age and I forgot all of it like all of it. I'm like, wow, it would have been so great to take that coding experience to like a very nice high paying tech job. But
0: here we are. I actually I like coding too. I actually do enjoy coding. And I do like some coding games. I've designed like two small video games in my life. um, But they're not they're they're embarrassing. See, that's where I'm not a Gen Zer because I do can we call them zoomers? Have they have we accepted zoomer or no? I haven't personally I'm like really a
1: purist when it comes to names because what I call the cutesy names come and go. Um, And I'm fearful that zoomers is coming from the fact that they had beef with baby boomers like earlier this year and last year. And it feels too similar. And then it's also like trying to characterize, characterize them by the fact that like zoom is like if you haven't said the word zoom once in a day in the last two months, like what what you you doing um everything's a zoom so i'm hesitant to do that whereas like it's almost like gen z or gen zers is like very vague and it allows them to like continually refine who they are and identify who they are like millennials is vague like besides the fact that like we grew up during the millennium there's so many other things that shape millennials
0: okay fine Well, for the record, I call them Zoomers at work because Zoomers just sounds, rolls off the tongue a lot nicer than Gen Z-er. All right, I'll say I know someone who knows, okay? I know an expert. Zoomer is done. What do you think that I would be or uh, the three people listening, what would we be most surprised about in terms of – who are Gen Z? What can we expect? You know, the oldest ones, you said they were born in 95. So they're about 25 years old right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the youngest ones going from t- to 2010. So they're eight, uh, 10 years old right now. Um, for this generation, what would we find most surprising about them since they are the first generation? I, I, I love the saying like, we as millennials, and you touched upon this, we as millennials are pioneers of the digital age because we grew up without, it and yet we adapted it into our lives whereas Mm -hmm. they truly are um you know we're the immigrants and they're the first generation like citizens if you will um we immigrated to this digital age they don't know any other way what Mm -hmm. would you find surprising about them
1: i think the thing that's most surprising to people that i have to break down like many preconceived notions is that this generation doesn't like spending time in person or face to face. They're like, oh, text is great, but I don't really feel like I can capture full emotion. I don't really feel like I can read what's going on. And so they even recognize that it's so easy to hide behind a screen. And so I think it's surprising that this generation, and and not only just in our studies, but we're seeing it in a number of other studies, that in the workplace, in their relationships, and and just about any place where they're interacting interpersonally with other people that face-to-face communication really matters. And and I think when we're thinking about fellow employees pushing, like being the role model and pushing and saying like, Hey, let's meet in person. Let's go do a coffee walk or let's go do something that we can connect with each other. That is not just another email, another text, another Slack message, another, you name it, because they're going to just start to associate with your, with your username and not with who you are. So that's probably one of the biggest surprising things. And I think that has implications for a lot of different areas. I think it's going to challenge marketing a lot. They're seeing marketing. um, They're seeing through the BS of marketing. um, And they want to know the people behind the companies. They want to know the story of the companies. And they want to feel connected with companies. And that is where we have to think about marketing as relationship building. And it can't be transactional with this generation.
0: I've seen in my 12-year career a huge shift in mentality in terms of we're going to tell consumers what they want and now we're finally i say we as a as a as a industry as as an entire huge multi-billion dollar industry we're finally looking to consumers of tell us what you want us to make. Tell us what you want us, what you want to see from us. And I appreciate that a lot more to your point from a relationship building standpoint. I just think it makes more sense. I mean, I've done it myself. I've had BS campaigns for sure. Like, because you're just like, you know, it works, you know, and then you just kind of do it, but it doesn't have the same emotional connection. You don't get that second that secondary um, buy or you don't get that brand loyalty because you're just trying to make the needle jump for whatever program you have running at that time. Mm -hmm. I've seen that a lot again, earlier in my career. Do you, you, you said, I I have to say, I listened to your podcast and, and one of your more recent podcasts was with high school students and how this lockdown is affecting them. And I was very, very touched Um, and and you just touched upon their need for face-to-face communication and, and you have this, one of the kids, I'm going to call them kids because everyone's a kid to me that isn't, you know, 30, um, one of the kids comes on and, and, and is talking about, you know, everyone says that our generation doesn't want face-to-face communication. You know, growing up, my parents always gave me flack for like texting instead of calling or calling instead of like seeing someone or walking over to my brother's bedroom and talking to him, whatever it might be. Um, and he was, and, and now with this lockdown, I I'm understanding what my parents meant. I'm understanding what my teachers and parents meant because I was so reliant on technology to communicate with my friends and now it's all I have. And now I want that face-to-face more than ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm paraphrasing here, so excuse me. But I thought that was really impactful hearing a high school senior talk like that. I don't know if I was that self-aware of my needs and desires in terms of communication until I got my communication degree in college. Would you say that they're the smartest generation? Because I want to believe they are.
1: They are. And shout out to the Chapman Communication Studies, because I was one too. Um, But I 100% agree. I constantly am amazed by them. I get to read their words and studies we do. I get to hear their words and connect with them through my podcast. And I'm like, wow, I was a clown when I was your age. Their parents are doing, in my opinion, vastly very good job across the board because they're so mature. They're so self-aware. And they're aware of other people and they care so much about other people. If you listen to some of those episodes where um, uh, specifically a, a, about the coronavirus and how they're reacting to essentially having to quarantine and um, being in lockdown, even the youngest ones that are like 10, we're talking about being concerned about and being an asymptomatic carrier like eighth graders and fifth graders are telling me that they're concerned about being asymptomatic carriers and hurting other people. And so I know that when I was in fifth and eighth grade, that I would have been putting up a stink if it was me, that if I was in that situation, and they're just handling this with grace and they're handling this crisis, like with way more maturity than I ever think I would have been able to. So snaps to Gen Z, I think they're smart. I think they're absolutely wonderful. And Certainly, they have their their downfalls, just like every generation does. But I think, you know, smart management is how do you put the best team members with the best characteristics in places to thrive? So like, how do we pull out the best characteristics of Gen Z? That's my, my spiel.
0: I think they're amazing. Hi when you were born is very significant and impactful to who you become and and so forth. And so for me, um, why I'm so interested in them, of course, being a marketer, um, I, where I started when when research I've done, and please correct me if I'm wrong, um, but one trend that we saw with Gen Z, and this was again, five years ago with one of the research studies that I had at the time was in terms of sex, sexual activity. Can we talk about sex?
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. I I write about it. Perfect. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Not, like, in depth, but, like, I have to talk about these things. People care about, like, literally sex, drugs, and rock and roll when it comes to kids, and I am, like why am oh I researching gosh. teen texting habits when it comes to sexting their boo? And I'm like, I
0: don't want I to love talk that.
1: about this. So I, love go ahead. Well, I
0: love talking about sex. I love singing about sex. It's I, So for me, what I found very, very fascinating is my assumption would have been, based upon the rhetoric that I was given in college and so forth, is this Gen Zers are all having sex at 10 years old. Right. That would have been my assumption. They're all having sex at 10 years old because they all have Google at five years old and they're all watching porn at three years old. And there you go. That was kind of what we were told was like, well, because they have access to the internet, because they have access to these platforms, because they can easily Google a picture of a penis instead of asking their parents what it is, um, they're going to be sexually active sooner. And what now, correct me if I'm wrong. What we ended up seeing is that because they had the wealth of information they made the decision to yeah that whole having sex at 13 thing detrimental to my physical health not going to do it the whole sex being super shameful so i can't talk about it cuz nobody talks about it well there's thousands of websites and instagram pages dedicated to throwing sex in my face i think i'm a little bit more comfortable talking about it with my parents and they're engaging in sexual activity, like physical sexual activity at a later age for the first time in 50 years. We're seeing, you know, we've seen generation after generation, the introduction of sexual activity getting lower and lower the age at which you start engaging in sexual activity, getting lower and lower and lower. And they have brought it back up. Am I wrong in that?
1: So they, are and yeah, you are correct in the sense that they're engaging in sexual activity later, um, and they're definitely safer at it, um, and they're making the decisions a little bit later in life. I think you hit hit it right on the head. Is they're able to talk with their parents about these things and. Um, They're also, we're in some ways diversifying the kind of content that's taught in schools too, um, that abstinence only is the only message they're hearing. No, that's not the case anymore. They're getting more information about sex. They're getting more information about health in general at earlier ages and taking care of themselves. They're also incredibly risk averse um, that's a huge one is they're risk averse financially, they're risk averse in making decisions about their future. And so sex being a component of that, um, they're, they're risk averse because they've also been, they've been able to have conversations about if you're not ready to do this in a mature way and handle this relationship in a mature way, then you are taking on a risk. There are consequences if we're not safe in practicing, you know, sexual activity. And so they've been, they've been counseled quite heavily on it. Um, and in some ways there's new challenges though. So it might not be that it, they're, you know, going straight into sexual relationships, but we also have to recognize like sexting is a thing. Texting is a thing. Cyberbullying is a thing. Um, we've seen more and more instances of passing around of, of n- nude photos of people that are underage because the way that technology plays a role in this, this generation. And so they might not see it as child pornography, but that is how the law classifies when inappropriate text messages are distributed of a minor. While they might not be engaging in, you know, sexual intercourse or other sexual activities, there are other activities of sexual nature that are new challenges both for the people that mentor them, raise them, teach them, coach them, you name it. So it's not like they're removing the risk. It's new risks and new challenges, but I really do credit their parents. It's not just their sexual activity. Um, we're seeing the rates of teen pregnancy go down dramatically with this generation. And we're also seeing that they are drinking less. They're doing drugs, um, different types of drugs, but they're doing it a little bit later, but there are new substances that are popping up. Like people, people in this generation are known for vaping and jewels and um, replacing some of that potentially risky behavior. Um, But in other ways, they're growing up slower. In other ways, they're growing up much faster. We can't, you know, there's not going to be a perfect generation of youth, but I think we're approaching it. Generation's getting pretty close.
0: I I mean, I have to say, that's why I was try to be very deliberate in saying physical sexual activity, Mm -hmm. because to your point, there's There are more. There's access to photos and and distributing photos in a way that you know. If I wanted to take a photo of my naked body in fifth grade, I'd have to use a disposable camera at Rite Aid and then take it to Rite Aid and and have it developed and and then go to jail. So it's it's a lot different, you know, in in that context, right? But um, and, and I'm fascinated by that, and that's where I say I think they're the smartest generation, partly because you know my parents tell me hypothetically this is bad for you. Don't do it. My reaction is, oh, parents are lame. What do they know? They can go on the internet and kind of verify like, oh shit, my parents are kind of in alignment with this other celebrity that I like, you know, in the Mm -hmm. old days, if if I felt weird because I had curly hair, you know, my dad would say, well, you know, so-and-so has curly hair. And I'm like, oh, okay. But nowadays as a little girl, I can Google celebrity with curly hair and watch a video of Beyonce talking about growing up with curly hair or watch a video of, you know, a woman, I mean, essentially now with all these TEDx, TED talks, YouTubes, blogs, vlogs, and whatnot, anything that's plaguing you, you, you can find someone who says, I've been there too. I'm an adult. I understand. Here's how I got through it. And we just didn't have those types of tools when I was growing up. But if I could go online and say, Oh, this is how I navigate it. And this is how I whatever, then I I just think there's a lot of camaraderie that can happen. And then look, we know that education is the key or education and knowledge is the key to success, happiness, fulfillment. And it seems that that's what they have. They have full access, they've had full access to knowledge their entire lives. And that's why I'm so fascinated by them. And then to see these trends of less drug use, um, less sex drugs and rock and roll. I'm like, Oh, wow, they really are smarter. I'm intimidated. I mean, I think about the workforce and I'm like, I need to get on my A game because these guys are going to be competing for my job in the next 10 years. And it's going to fly by the next five (laughs) years, probably. No, they're already already there.
1: (laughs) Watch out. They're, they're graduating. But you brought up a really good point that I want to come back around to is um, role models and the ability to see people like them. So this is the most diverse generation to date on every type of identity you can imagine. Individualism and expression is like their thing. The cool way to fit in is to stand out like they are flipping on their head, this idea that I have to blend in with everyone, because if they are a student or a young person that is the only person like them in their school, you're right. They have someone that they might be able to find online through social media or some capacity that they can resonate with, um, So in many ways, I mean, pat on the back for us of this idea of growing up and maybe coming into our identities and claiming our identities later in life, but now serving as role models for those young people. Uh, We hear that all the time, especially with LGBTQI youth who are like, I'm so thankful there are 30 and 40 year olds that are able to mentor me when I'm the only gay kid in my school. Or I'm the my family's not accepting, and so it is really important that we have those intergenerational connections because today's youth are able to to look up and say there are people like me, um, and I my difference is good, and that's something they're really glomming onto is that difference is good, difference makes the world richer, more exciting, and better. They love diversity, they love inclusion, and they'll be the first people to call you out if you're not being inclusive. And I think that of the things they rally around, that's one thing that I do enjoy about them is that they make being your cool and being yourself confidently is like the coolest you can be so they're teaching us a lot as well they're teaching us a hell of a lot
0: you saying that about them calling you out I was I keep saying I'm not gonna cry on this damn podcast I like need to I'm such we a cry baby I get really emotional when I talk about this but I'm not going to cry no no crying um after the school shooting. So it was like back to back to back. In 2017, we had several mass shootings. And I just remember seeing, you know, these shutdowns or lockdowns that these kids mm-hmm. in the school just were like, we're not going to school. All the schools, most of the schools, I could tell you in Orange County, all the schools had walkouts. Um, mm-hmm. That's when I was like, okay, this generation is no joke. And mind you, you were talking about 2017, a year after regardless who you voted for, whatever your political affiliation is, a year after one of probably definitely the most controversial presidential election in my lifetime. And I had this epiphany of like, these kids weren't able to vote in 2016, but they're going to be showing up in 2020. And that's why that's really where I was like, okay, I need to care about these people, not just because they're uh, human beings and and they're close in age to me and, and whatnot, but more so I'm gonna be working with them. They're gonna be voting and I, I need to know more. So that's why I'm so fascinated by them. And I feel like people kind of chalk them up to like, oh, well, they're just on Instagram showing their butts all the time and, and head in the clouds. And I'm like, I don't know, man, they seem to be coming in fierce. I mean, they seem like fire. They are a fire generation. And it's time that we kind of take note.
1: Yeah, I mean, you bring up a really important aspect of like, they will be talking about the importance of mental health one day and then advocating against um, school violence the next day. And then they're going to, they're going to school you expert level on both of those things. And you're just like, well, shit, um, they're the kind of people that when they're fired up about something, they're not going to stop. Um, they're very relentless in that regard, but they're relentless with this like absurd level in a good way of empathy to care about it. Like, they're not just like, I care about the environment because it's a cool thing to do. And I'm a hippie. They're like, I care about the environment because XYZ 15 bullet points about the importance of the environment. Um, and they're not going to wait around. They're a generation where a lot of previous generations were told, like, you can wait your turn. We'll get to your political issue when you're 45. You need to suffer for 45 years. And they're like, no, we don't have time to suffer. Um, they're the arguably the most able-bodied right now they're the most energetic they're the most likely to live on this earth the longest and so they're like can we start building a better earth now like environmentally socially politically because we'll all be happier and so they're like can we can we take a crack at the pinata like is it cool if we do it because clearly previous generations are still grappling with some decade and century old issues
0: yeah, y'all y'all are fucking it up. And I'm looking at our parents. You know what I told my parents this weekend? I said, you know what? Let's just, let's be real here. I'm 30. My brother's got a baby. I have cousins with babies. I said, I'm going to keep it real here, you guys. Y'all are going to be dead and gone in 30 years. I can't keep living this bullshit. Well, because we don't, there's a huge generational gap between my generation and my parents' generation, right? My parents are in their 50s and 60s. So... When it comes to certain topics and things get heated, I'm like, I cannot believe we're having these conversations in 2020. We're having these conversations in 2020, and this is not a conversation I want my kid to hear, assuming Mm -hmm. I ever have one, assuming anyone... Look, I'm going to have to probably start shopping on Gen Z. I think I've dated every millennial man there is there. So down to Gen <laughs> Z. I've already done the baby boomers, the Gen Y. That didn't work for me. So Gen is over 18, holla at you, girl. But I'm like, I thought about it. And we were having this argument. And I just finally said, I was like, you guys are going to be dead in 30 years. Your opinion doesn't matter anymore. You had your time. This is my time. And I'm thinking about what I want for my nephew and what kind of rhetoric I want him hearing. And I don't want him hearing this crap. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk like this anymore. This is, this is backwards, like stop. And so I just feel like, okay, I, I feel empowered. And I think that's where I get fired up seeing them protesting and rallying. And does that mean that they're, look, does that mean that they have more experience? No, you can never replace experience, but they're right. It shouldn't be this sit down little kids. We had to wait till we were 45 to get what we want as a gay man. Uh, two gay men adopting a child. We had to wait till our 40s and 50s to get our marriage. So you can wait for your little uh, queer status, transgender fluid, like that can wait. And I love what you just said. Why? Why do we need to wait? I, I think it's that a that's a weird beautiful. hazing game.
1: We play a weird hazing game between generations and it benefits no one. It benefits literally no one. And I hate it. Um, I'm like the biggest advocate for generational harmony. Um, the whole like back in my day argument, you've back in my day fill in the blank. I'm sorry that like things were harder back in your day, but like most people on this earth want the world to be better for future generations. It's not this ambiguous, group of people that will eventually benefit from it. It's When you say back in my day, kids had it so much harder and be like, I'm really sorry that that was the case for you. But uh, there's a lot of really deserving young people that um, in today's day and age shouldn't have to suffer through some of those things if we have solutions. And we don't think about the fact that just because we suffer doesn't mean that other people have to suffer we're all citizens of a society. We're all citizens of a world, of a country, of a something. And I think humans innately want to help other people. They want to be good people. Um, and working together is the only way we're going to get over it. And that's like my hippie dippy mindset around it, but that's also very Gen Z related. They're like, my issues impact me. I recognize that, but there are bigger issues in this world that impact other people as well. And I need to be a part of that fight.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not just about what I need. It's not just looking, you know, in your own front yard, but looking at your neighbors as well and, and, and advocating mm-hmm. for the people who don't have a voice. I think it's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, th- look, I, as a relatively conservative christian woman are there some qualms i have i know that you know for me as a christian like hearing that they are a little bit more agnostic in their religious take like that kind of you know breaks my heart so it's not that i agree with everything they do and they're the end-all be-all i'm not looking to them to make my life decisions but i certainly think it's worth a consideration, especially as we've said profusely now in the next five to 10 years, whether you like it or not, you are going to be working side by side with someone in generation in Gen Z, if you're not already. Mm -hmm. Um, and that excites me. I mean, for me, you know, I'm in the alcohol industry and so look, you got to be 21. So there's a small, small sliver. And even to be 21 and get hired is very, very rare. Like you have to have years of experience. So I probably won't be sitting down with someone in Gen Z, like in my office, probably for another five years, but I I'm thinking about it. And furthermore, from a marketing perspective, you said it, they drink less. We have been, we've known this now for five years and we're like, what does that mean for our business? That's what, again, excites me about them because I'm like, okay, I want to know. We have been striving as an industry. We've been striving, and and people would be surprised. We've been striving to mitigate excessive overconsumption. There's a huge misconsumption that that's what we promote, and it's really not. Um, The companies that I've worked for, and I've worked for several at this point, we take drinking responsibly very seriously. Um, And so I love seeing that this consumer to target, it looks like they're ascribing to that, even if it's not for the same reasons that we necessarily have it.
1: It, There's an opportunity to create a culture shift around what it means to be drinking. Um, I think for a long time, alcohol culture was party culture. You're at the bar, it's crazy. And that's fun for some people that is their culture. But for Generation Z, what really matters to them is relationships and being with people you love. And that's something that I've always enjoyed, especially later as I've grown up as an adult is like having my friends over for a wine night is one of my favorite things to do. Meeting up and having um, cocktails at one of our favorite restaurants is one of the ways like things that I love to do it's not about the party it's not about the irresponsibility and I think that this generation is going to come into it and thinking about it from that regard it's going to be about how the products can bring people together and why they're bringing people together and the purpose around that and I think the more that that industry can instill that and make that a part of the culture as they're, if you will, introducing alcohol to these new consumers, that changes the mindset around it entirely that the the product that they're buying is not the purpose of detrimental like substance use, it is connection and the things that they care about. So
0: that's what something, I think. something you said just reminded me and, and we didn't touch upon this, but you have mentioned it in your blog. And again, I think it's kind of beautiful they are the most diverse generation. I grew up watching commercials and television shows. You didn't see interracial couples. I didn't see couples that looked like my mom and dad. And that wasn't that long ago. And when my parents would walk around with me, they would still kind of get looks, not in a bad way, but just kind of like, a, oh, you're interracial. Even me growing up, I was always like, oh, I don't know what box to check. That's what I always felt. Well, I don't know what box to check. Do I check the black box? Do I check the Latino box? Like. I am equally both. What do I pick? And now they have the whole two or more, but it's like, you're going to have a whole generation of two or more. That's,
1: you know, you brought up like their parents might come from a few different types of races and they might be practicing different elements of their, um, their ethnic practice. And so um, you can't watch a Netflix show without seeing that there are um, young people that come from so many walks of life and are able to authentically practice that auth- like that um that aspect of their their ethnicity and how Netflix is showing so much diversity and truth to what ethnic practice actually looks like. So my latest obsession is Never Have I Ever, and it's about a young Indian American first generation um, high school student, but her friends hail from all of these different types of backgrounds, and I think. Mind you, I haven't lived to those different backgrounds, but from what I know of of those, of being a human on this earth, that Netflix is doing a relatively good job of capturing the really interesting multifaceted life of multiracial, um, multifaceted identities of young people today. And how, you know, the what you brought up of like, what box do I check? I think today's young people are like, why do I have to check one box? Can't I be both? In many ways, I think, Gen Z is going to continue to challenge us to think differently, think broadly, think creatively. Um, because if we don't, they're going to let us know. So, again, as much as we're learning about them right now, they're teaching so much to us as, as older generations.
0: Oh, I think that's a really good note to leave on. Megan, I think so too. you, it's almost like you've done this before. I know you have a thousand times. <laughs> once, once, or twi- once or twice. How times. is it being a guest on a podcast?
1: I talked more than I think I normally do today um, or then in a normal episode. So
0: it's, it's fun, but
1: it always just feels like catching up with friends. Like it's amazing how fast a podcast interview can bring people together. It's the beauty of storytelling and story sharing. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. I really, I, so I really do appreciate the time and I'm not blowing smoke. Like in some weird way, even though I didn't realize you had a podcast per se, I, you know, of course I've seen your posts throughout the years in some weird way you had, you were an inspiration for me starting this podcast because the idea of like, being able to sit down with you and talk about this or having an excuse to talk about these curiosities I've had for years um, really just inspired me. So I want to thank you for that. And thank you for the time. I know it's late your time. So
1: thank you for having me. I had a great time.
0: Do you want to give a shout out to Kevin just so we can?
1: Oh my goodness. My sweet, sweet Kevin. I love you. And I miss you. And I can't wait to see you again, even though I'll see you on Marco Polo in like 15 minutes. Cause I talked to you like multiple times today.
0: That is super effing rude that you guys talk every day and that you're doing Marco Polo because I'm doing Marco Polo and I didn't know Kevin that had a Marco Polo and now I'm a little annoyed. You, at both of you, you
1: know he's you know he's shady like that. He keeps it so like I bust his shady door down like where he like keeps his life segmented and secretive. I'm like there will be no secrets.
0: Like walk Kevin, away. Walk. Kevin, Let's start it. Kevin, I'm on my podcast right now with Megan. Do you see her right there? There's Megan. I have- Okay. Apparently, apparently y'all are Marco pulling every day. And I would just like to say, I just gave him the middle finger. Well, I'm right. so happy to speak with you. Megan, What does the M stand for?
1: Oh, Kevin can tell you it's his favorite thing. No, um, <laughs> the M, st- no, it's his favorite thing. Um, the M stands for Murphy. So my parents, um, every person in our family gets a old family last name as their middle name, it's heavenly confusing when your last name is a first name. So my full name is Megan Murphy Grace, and it sounds like it should be Megan Grace Murphy And it's really confusing to a lot of people. So I just put the M in there because Murphy should, it is a last name for the most part. There's some people with the first name Murphy. So it's just really confusing. It's very confusing because I live in the South and people are big fans of double names. They'll be like, Megan Grace, what's your last name? I'm like, that's the whole thing. We did it. Good job. Um, There's nothing else. And so, yeah, Murphy is my middle name. The M is confusing to people, but there's also like a thousand Megans, so. I got to do what I can to be my own Megan out there in the world.
0: Well, and you have an H, so that helps.
1: Yeah. Shout out to Megan Markle for making H's cool. I appreciate it.
0: Shout out to Megan Markle for making um, biracial women with redheads cool, because that's totally been my thing since high school.
1: I know that's your like dream too.
0: So like my dream. role, mo- I, role I, models I, are I, everywhere. She's literally living my dream. I've been dreaming of Prince Harry my whole life. Still looking for one. All right. On that note. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> bye. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Hey, hey, thanks for checking this shit show out. If you have an idea you'd like to be featured here, my email is podcast at gmail.com. Thank you.